Um, well, we kick off this year like we have kicked off most every year since we have been a church as we begin uh, the year just looking at the three foundational things about who we are as a people, as a church, uh, and uh, we say often that we're a gospel-centered, missional family, and so those three components are uh, gospel, which we talked about last week. What does it truly mean to be centered on uh, the person and the work and the grace of God through Christ to us? Um, but we also spend a lot of time at the beginning of each year looking at at community or relationships because that's so important to what God is doing among his people and just part of what it means to be a human is that God has created us to be uh, inside of relationships. Uh, and so we're going to break this portion down, the community relationship portion, into two Sundays. Uh, so this Sunday, today, right now, uh, we're going to look a little bit more about the vertical nature of relationship. What does it truly mean to have relationship with God? And then next week, we'll look a little more horizontal. What does that mean and what are the implications of that uh, with good community and friendships and relationships that we have? And then we'll look at uh, a little bit of what the mission of the church is. Um, so, two different texts uh, that I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to. I'm going to read both of these, uh, and then we will preach through them and apply them, hopefully, to our lives. Uh, so you're going to hear from uh, Jesus in the book of John, chapter 17, and then we're going to hear from Paul in Philippians, chapter 3, and they're going to say basically uh, the exact same thing. And so, again, I, we try to do this every week because so many people are brand new to the Bible, new to the church, and so we try to give some context before we just drop into uh, the text. So John chapter 17 uh, is towards the end of Jesus's uh, physical life and ministry on earth. Uh, this was after the last supper he had with his disciples uh, when he was sharing his last few um, descriptions of what was coming and his encouragements for them, just the last few incredibly important things. He was trying to relay to his disciples, and he knows that the cross was coming. Uh, he had grown up in in a Roman-led world and had seen crucifixions, uh, no doubt, throughout his life and knew his own crucifixion was uh, just a mere matter of hours away. And so between the, the upper room with his disciples and the cross, uh, John, the Apostle John, records a lot of what took place uh, in those last few hours, John 17 being one of those. Uh, that we, we, we call John 17 the high priestly prayer uh, because Jesus is going into the garden and he's praying it just the, the longest recorded prayer that we have of the Son of God, but also in a very timely moment in his life. And so that kind of flies us into John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Jesus is interacting with God the Father. And he says this, When Jesus had spoken these words, referring to the last few chapters of John, the last few things that Jesus was speaking to his disciples and uh, about the kingdom... When he had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, so a, a, a physical change of posture, and Jesus is just gazing through the sky up into the heavens, and he said, and then we have this little kind of a portal, a glimpse into the heart of Jesus Christ and what he's praying a few hours before he's crucified. And he prayed this, Father... The hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this 
is eternal life, that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus was at the end of his ministry, at the end of a perfect, sinless, spotless life, about to take that innocent, holy life to a cross in our place so that he might purchase for his people eternal life. And Jesus chooses in his prayer to uh, define or equate eternal life with this. He says, this is eternal life that they know you. And that word is not an informational thing. It is a relational thing. At the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, the ultimate goal was for him to, to provide a way and to point people towards a true relationship with God, but also with himself and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. At, at the heart of the, 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 the sum total of the ministry and the work Jesus was doing was so that you might know God. That's so simple, yeah, it's so important. So let, let's go to Philippians 3, um, because I want you to see that at the heart of Paul and his ministry and his hope for uh, the church and for Christians was uh, w- w- the exact same thing. Okay, so Philippians, uh, I'll give a little bit of backdrop in this. This is the Apostle Paul uh, writing this to a church in Philippi who had uh, believed the gospel, uh, yet they were undergoing some, uh, some incredible amounts of suffering and persecution for the sake of Christ. And Paul loved them deeply, had been invested in them for a long time, and he's writing this book. And this is kind of uh, in, in, Paul's, uh, in Paul's heart for them. This is, uh, he kind of explains through the book of Philippians the struggle that we talked about last week between religion trying to do things for God and earn, uh, earn acceptance from God and relationship by grace. So he, he's talking about the, the, the war between those two things and how we can be prone to go about things on the religious works uh, earning side or uh, we can truly understand what, what God is all about in inviting us into a relationship. And so to, to, to drop into what I'm about to read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, you have to understand this uh, struggle that he is talking about uh, between religion and the gospel or between uh, works-based and, and grace-based. Um, and so Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says this. He says, look out for the dogs. Okay, and, and a couple things that he's about to say, for the, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Those are all different descriptions for uh, religion, religious people, people who are trying to do the right things to earn favor with God. He's like, you just got to really be careful and watch out uh, for that mentality. In verse 3, he says, for we, talking about the, the church, not talking about necessarily Jewish people, but people that have believed the gospel, whether Jew or Gentile, We are the circumcision, the true circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. So, like, that's the the, the two opposing forces that he's talking about. Like, we're, we're God's people, but we don't have confidence in our flesh and what we do. We have confidence in the grace of Christ and what he has done on our behalf. And then he starts talking about uh, his resume. If he were to operate under religion and earning and works, he, he, he would outdo all of us. Like, no matter how good you are uh, at the Christian life, Paul was better. And, and he talks about that. Verse 4, though I myself 
have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he's about to walk through his religious resume, uh, his moral resume, how good he was at doing things and knowing things. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, that's like the first box you could check off as a good Jewish boy was to be circumcised right on time, just as the law commanded uh, of the people of Israel. So he was part of God's uh, very unique chosen people to um, bring in redemptive, the redemptive story of Jesus through the Jewish people. It's like, I, not only was I circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. It's like, you got the Hebrew Jewish people. I was just, I, I was morally the, the best of the best as to the law or what's commanded on the outside for us to do, a Pharisee, which just means he kept all of the laws. He didn't work on the Sabbath. He, 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 he fulfilled all of the external laws. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He's like, you talk about excitement. I was so excited that I believed this Christian movement was against the God of the Old Testament. So I was out trying to persecute and murder Christians and snuff this movement out. I was excited and really believed what I was said I believed. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. I mean, Paul stacks up a pretty impressive religious resume and he says, if anybody's got a good one, I've got a better one. Here it is. But then he says, I would trade all of that in for something. Like, I, I, I trade it all in for something. And most of us, uh, we, we realize half of what Paul is, is trading it in for, but I think we run the risk of missing part of what Paul was willing to trade it in for. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had... I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because, here's, here's what he was willing to trade it in for, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Notice what he did not say, because this is a temptation that we have to kind of miss the whole point of what Jesus equates eternal life with. He did not say, I would trade all that in to know things about Jesus or to know truth about God. That is not what he said. That is not what Jesus said. It's like the surpassing worth, the most worthwhile, worthy, valuable thing, Paul says, is knowing, not informational, relational. Y'all with me? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, what, one of the things that we get right often is that we, we can trade in our, our resume for a positional righteousness, which is so incredibly important. That we're right before God, not because of our resume, but because positionally we're in Christ, and so therefore we're covered. But uh, he also doesn't just talk about uh, positional, he talks about relational. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And that means positional, to be found in him also means relational to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may, what does it say? 
know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. You see multiple times in this text that Paul desperately wanted him, wanted them, wanted you to know God. He, he is reiterating what Jesus prayed for. This this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Here, here's the problem is sometimes we stop a little bit short of the relational and we could just settle for informational, to just simply know things about God and to dedicate our lives to, uh, to, to theology and the study and the knowing of God, which is so incredibly important. Like we can't get away from that, but the, like knowledge of God is never the means in and of itself. It is a means to a relationship. Information is designed to help us decide whether we want to walk into a relationship with someone or not, right? I'm not going to ask by raising of hands, but I don't know. If, if, I'm sure many of you in this room have used a dating app. Uh, I never did because they didn't exist when I was dating. Uh, in fact, I was doing some uh, rudimentary math this morning, uh, and when, I'm, when I went on my first like date... Uh, the internet wasn't a thing, right? Uh, Al Gore was still working on it. And um, like, if you get into an app, then the goal is just like, at first it's informational. You're trying to like learn information. Uh, but then if information from a certain person uh, grabs your attention, then you don't just settle with that. You're not like, that's really good information. I'm gonna pin this information and the, uh, the outline and the hobbies and the height and weight, and I don't even know what, is all, what all is on that. Um, like I'm, not, I'm just going to pin that up on my wall and then spend my time uh, memorizing the information of this stranger. That's called stalking, right? Like, that's illegal. You shouldn't just, like, terminate on the information. What does the information do? Well, you look at all the information and you said, oh, I, I like the information, and so I now want to pursue a relationship with that person. So I remember the very first time I saw uh, a woman uh, named Hannah Harper. It was the fall, which is now Hannah Hatch. My wife was the fall of 2005. Uh, and I saw her and I, uh, I, I had a good friend um, that was, uh, she was right there next to me in the lobby when I saw Hannah uh, and I just started fishing for information. Uh, my friend, she was a legitimate Nigerian princess. Her name was Dara Adeyemi. And I asked Dara, I said, tell me about that girl. I need some information. Got some information about where she lived, uh, what her major was, uh, a little bit about her. And I didn't just stop there. I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. That's what I wanted. I wanted that information. No, what did I do? It's like, I need a relationship with her. Uh, I need to take the information that I have, uh, put it to use, get aggressive because there's a lot of competition out there and go like, like the, the information was meant to lead to relationship, Right? And so the basis of relationship is a, a constant relationship now that we've had for many, many years that's growing, that's interaction. Like, like the information was a part, but we don't just end with it. So why is it that so many times in the church we can be invited in? Because this is how we, most of us were invited in. We are invited into the kingdom, into Christianity with, with something akin to it's not about rules, it's about relationship. 
with God. It's not about just checking things off and knowing things about God. It's about a relationship with God. But then we come in and normally we quickly default just right back to the rules and the information and studying things about God, not necessarily using those as a tool and a means to the end of what? Knowing God. The goal is not to know things. Ultimately, the goal is not to know things about God. It's to know God, to, to, to feel his presence, to have a relationship with God Almighty. That's what Jesus has invited us into. And it's so easy to miss that. It's so easy to, to stop at learning information and understanding things, and rightly so, having good theology about who God is, but not truly communing with him and relating with him. Having, like, Jesus boiled eternal life down to that. It would just be such a, a sad miss for me if I still just had a picture of Hannah on my wall and all of the information about her but hadn't developed a relationship with her. What a huge miss it would be to know a lot of things about God and yet not know God. Um, a, a name that you're probably, uh, probably many of you are familiar with that you just you throw out the phrase or you read it uh, from the Bible, the, the phrase knowing God, uh, a, a name and a, a certain book come up really quick to the surface. The name of J.I. Packer. Uh, J.I. Packer, who uh, just passed away a couple years ago, I believe it was in uh, 2020. Um, but J.I. Packer was uh, an incredible theologian and writer and uh, had, had written just a, a lot of books that were so incredibly helpful uh, for the Christian community. And um, he was actually one of the editors of the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible that we uh, preach from, uh, and he wrote a book in 1973 entitled Knowing God. And, and I think from my experience when I got into to college, when I transferred uh, from uh, Amarillo College, the, the, the Mighty Fighting Badgers, uh, to Dallas Baptist University, the very first book that I read was J.I. Packer's Knowing God. And I remember that it was so just challenging and encouraging to me that I want to lean on J.I. Packer because he devoted uh, a lot of his life to, uh, to understanding and writing about what does it truly mean to know God. And so I've got a handful of different quotes that I want to use from uh, Packer. Uh, and he says this. He says, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. He also said this about, uh, about preaching. He said, the proper aim of preaching is to mediate meetings with God. Like, like what, we're not just trying to relay information. We're trying to relay information so that you're drawn into relationship with God. Like to, to commune with God. He says this. He says, we must seek in studying God to be led to God. Knowing about God, he says, is crucially important for the living of our lives, as it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly. You imagine a, a tribesman in the Amazon that hasn't engaged in a lot of Western culture, and he says to fly him to London and to put him down without any explanation in Trafalgar Square and to leave him as one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself. 
So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and to blunder blindfolded through life, as it were, with no sense of direction, no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. He's talking about it's important to know about God, but then he says this, but how can we make sure we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God, knowing God? So I want to walk through, if this is so foundational to the purpose that you were created, right, the purpose that that God decided to create man was to have relationship for, for, for humans, for man and woman to know God. Jesus said it, right? He's like, this is it. This is eternal life that they may know, not not know about, not understand things about, not know facts about, know God and Jesus whom you've sent. Paul said the same thing, that I, I I would trade everything in for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. How do we make sure... That's, that's the end goal for us, that we don't get stalled out in just learning things and knowing things about God and never really enter into a communion and relationship with God. A few things. Number one, why? Why is it so important um, that we know God, not just know about God? I've already alluded to this a little bit, but knowing God is the goal. That is the end goal of creation. That is the, the end goal of, of the gospel is that we might glorify God through knowing him. You think about Adam in the garden, just the, the, the pristine nature of, of creation and, and man and woman before it was tarnished by sin is that uh, he walked in the cool of the day with God. He communed with God, had a relationship with God. I quoted this not too long ago, but um, the Westminster Catechism, the first question is, what is the chief end of man? What is all this about? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's assumed that that's inside of a relationship. I read this this week. I thought it was very interesting. uh, That really relationship with God and communing with God is a, a, a huge way that we actually glorify God. I read this. It says, glorifying God is not something we do after we commune with him, but by communing with him. Do y'all see that? It's not like, well, let's meet with God and commune with him, and then we'll get on to glorifying God. No, like meeting with God and communing and enjoying the, the presence of God is actually a huge way that we glorify God. Why do we know God? That's what we were made for. And listen, I, 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 we can't move on without giving a, a small warning because Jesus himself said he was going to say something like this towards the end uh, when it's judgment day and every single one of us uh, will be judged by Jesus. And he said this. This is not meant to uh, scare anyone, but it is very sobering. He says, I will say to many in that day, depart from me, I never knew you. He doesn't say, you know, someday I'm going I'm to tell people and they're going to be surprised you're not a Christian because uh, I didn't know of you or you didn't know about me. No, it's it, it, like it's, it's based on relationship. If you don't truly know God, Jesus says that that's the criteria. 
And that should cause some people to just shake in our, like Jesus said, like at the end of the day, when he separates the sheep from the goats, heaven and hell, he says, I will tell some. And they're like, they're going to be so surprised, so shocked because they knew a lot of things, but there was no relationships. He's like, depart from me. I never knew you. So it's important. Why know God? Because that's what we were made for. And that's what we're divided by. Number two, how do we know God? I, I want to bring this down to be very helpful and practical. How do we truly go about pursuing a relationship and knowing God? Few things. Number one, uh, to, to, through faith. All right, through faith. How do we know God? We, still, we, we know God through faith. We don't see God. We, you know, I, I, I've never seen Jesus, never seen God in the flesh, so we know God um, by and through faith. And I don't fully understand um, a lot of things <laughs> that might shock you. Uh, people think often, well, you're a, you're a pastor, you preach weekly, you've done this for 20 years, you, you don't have any questions left. Uh, not true. Uh, I know more than I did 20 years ago. I still have a lot of questions. One of them uh, is about the nature of uh, we, we know God in a sense now by faith. We trust his word. Uh, we, we believe that he is who he says he is. But there is going to be a difference when we're in glory with God that, that we're, we will know him on a, on a deeper more visual, less faith involved because we're just in his presence. 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, that at some point the veil is going to be lifted and it's in, in heaven for those who believe and belong to Jesus. We won't really interact with him by faith. It will be a very, very, very visual, real experience. But Paul said this, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know that's relational, not informational, even as I have been fully known. But in this life, on this side of that day, we, we relate to God through faith, through faith, through believing his word. Number two, uh, truly you think, okay, if, if Jesus and Paul thought it was so important for us to know God, uh, it's important that we know God through faith. Uh, number two, it's important that we know God through prayer. That, that's one of the points of, of prayer is to, to build a relationship to, to speak to God, to learn to listen to God, to learn to listen to his voice, to feel his presence. The purpose of relationship is not just coming with a to-do list. God, I really need you to do this, 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 and this. Like the point is to commune with God, to speak to him, to listen with him. If you have a marriage that um, has, has, has faulty communication where all of the communication just simply becomes, okay, we need to get this done, we need to get this kid here and this kid there, and it's just information, uh, then the relationship begins to, uh, to, to wither because it has to be more about just transactional communication. Like prayer, if, if the goal is to know God, your prayers need to be more than just simply transactional. Y'all with me? Like they're relational based to, to know God. That's the goal. So when we pray, to, to know God, to speak, to listen, to communicate so that we know God. Number three, uh, obviously by God's word. We know God through faith. We know God through prayer. We learn to know God by his word. If you want to know God, what an unbelievable place to start uh, because this is how he has chosen to reveal himself so many ways to us, who he is, what he is about, but it's not just so that we can have the information. It's so that we can have a relationship uh, by God's word. He speaks through it. So when you come to the Bible, 
And and we all have this temptation, I'm sure. I noticed it again in myself, beginning a Bible reading plan that's so easy, it's easy to even come to the Scriptures uh, just as like a thing to check off. Well, I I got my Bible reading done for today. Or we can see it. No, this is an invitation to know God relationally. Number four, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals the Father to us and draws us into this relationship. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Invite the Holy Spirit to help illuminate the Father and draw you into a deeper relationship with him. J.I. Packer says this, just to, and Romans talks about like the Holy Spirit in us cries out, Abba, Father, what is that? that, that, that that's relational, it, it's the, the relational nature of the gospel that the Holy Spirit helps us see. I'm in this relationship with God as my Father. L- listen to what, 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 what J.I. Packer says, and, and we've talked about this over the years often, like how important it is that we see God as our Father. He says, you sum up the whole of New Testament religion If you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, then find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child, this relationship, and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. The Holy Spirit draws us into relationship with God. Last one is if you want to know God, it takes time. Right? It, it, it takes time. This is why a, it's so hard in our culture. Uh, it, the, the busyness of our culture and constantly having things to do draws us away from uh, having the time it takes to build a, a relationship with someone. It takes time. This is why Jesus consistently would leave the crowds, leave the masses, leave the distractions, and go find a desolate place so that he could listen to, talk, and commune with his Father. Relationships are built on time. This is why it's important to carve out some time for a relationship that's most important. Jesus said, this this is eternal life, that they know you. Don't stall out on simply knowing things about God and miss communing with the God that has invited us into that. Paul says, listen, I've got a resume to beat all Christian resumes, and I would trade that all in for the, the joy of knowing Christ. So I want to pray, and I, I want to invite you and, and really invite the Holy Spirit to, to, to work in each of our hearts to stir us up and to just simply remind us of just the very simple invitation that we've been given to know God. And to, 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 to truly 
plumb the depths of a relationship with God by faith through His Word, through His Spirit, until one day the veil falls and we see Him as He truly is and we know then fully, we will know Him relationally as we have always been fully known. Lord Jesus, we love You. We we praise You. We thank You. We need You. God, we need You to remind us that we are at our core relational beings And the most important relationship that we were designed for is to commune with God the Father. And so I pray for someone in this room that maybe has just been caught up in just uh, endless knowing things about but has never truly been invited into the relationship that you would uh, draw us in. Got the information, theology that we do study, I pray that would lead us into truly knowing you. God, would you help our spirits to come alive because that's what we were made for, relationship with God. We're invited into relationship. I pray that you would help us uh, work out our our faith knowing that it's relationship that you're about, not just following rules. God, I pray that you would stir up in us a deep sense of awe and worship and uh, that your joy and your hope and your peace would truly fill us. We love you. Praise you. We need you. We want to hear you. We want to feel your presence. We want to know you. So thank you for providing a way for us to know you. I pray this through Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.